Uh, how's it going? Um, <clears throat> this is Taj Horton on Black athletes during the Civil Rights Movement. Um, how's it going, uh, Professor? Black athletes come from different backgrounds and areas across the country and world. They all share different experiences, whether it is on or off the court. Sometimes athletes stay on the court all the time to avoid what is off the court. Whatever off the court or field may be the dangers of their neighborhood, um, whether it be the dangers of their neighborhoods or the unwanted media attention and money given to young athletes who show promise. They all have different viewpoints of the world around them. And because they have entered these sports, it tends to enhance or disrupt their viewpoints. Many black athletes, in my opinion, realize their popularity, but do not realize their full power in the world of sports business or in their community off the field and off the court and field. A lot of athletes have chosen not to use their power and voice to speak out against the injustices of people during the civil rights movement, maybe out of fear of being targeted or jeopardizing a brand deal or more money. A lot of other athletes, however, were vocal and not ashamed to stand up for what they thought was right. Some athletes went to jail for what they believed in or the cause in which they believed in. Athletes like Muhammad Ali, who was arrested for refusing to be drafted during the Vietnam War. And the ones who are standing up for their rights, you would usually see them meet leaders from other countries, like the US president and many other activists. During the civil rights movement, sorry, hold on a second. During the civil rights movement or even before and after it, athletes were highly regarded when it came to social issues and other problems in the black community. In this podcast, I will be talking about the athletes who are vocal and the activists in their community. Excuse me. And those who are not vocal and held their tongues for selfish reasons. One of the athletes who held his tongue was athletes like Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Interesting enough, Michael Jordan was introduced to us on the to us on week twelve as as a racial icon, and it is funny how even though Michael did the least or little for for black people, he sure did have a lot of support from black people and really liked by not only but was really liked by not only black people but everyone. He had constant deals from Nike and McDonald's, and he even had a Jordan brand come from Nike that made millions, especially in the black community. Some kids in bad neighborhoods across the country were getting robbed for their Jordans or worse, they were murdered for a pair of Jordans. And Michael did not really address issues he even created in the black community such as these. I cannot say whether or not I am a fan of Michael Jordan anymore after hearing his tone deafness in his own community. Jordan ended up getting a taste of his own medicine and he was fired from the Wizards in 2003 after some bad seasons that he failed to correct. Another athlete who is quite the opposite of Michael Jordan is Jackie Robinson, who was very vocal about black issues and refused to turn a blind eye. And when Jackie was drafted to the Dodgers, he was constantly told not to speak about black issues and to hold his tongue. They wanted him to be submissive. Robinson was asked to appear, to appear before an un-American House committee and denounce Paul Robeson, who I will mention later. He was at first indirect and answered in terms of, I can't speak for everyone. And then he re he later recanted his statements and said most black Americans would agree with Paul Robeson. Sorry. 
Agree with Paul Robeson. Robinson was then, after that, given permission by his advisor to be more vocal about baseball integration and Jim Crow laws. After this, Robinson set a new wave of black athletes and political power. The Democratic Party started using athletes to campaign to campaign for them and gave them endorsements. They mostly did this to appeal to black voters and it somehow worked and it it somehow worked and it worked in helping to elect past President Robert Kennedy, who Robinson did not vote for. Robinson actually voted Republican for the most part and had his vote in the Nixon campaign, despite his support of Southerners who did not want to integrate with black people. Robinson often challenged Kennedy in his unwillingness to show progress for the black community. And, and this is interesting as it shows us the stereotypes of how the Democratic Party not only talks nice for black issues, but does not ever act to get anything solved. It also shows the stereotype of how black people can be drawn to the to the Republican Party because they have been let down by the Democratic Party and turned to the Republican Party for solutions. The vice president for the Nixon campaign actually sat down with Robinson and gained his full trust. It almost makes you think, as an African-American such as myself, should we just switch the Republican Party to not only to, to the Republican Party to not only at the possibility of getting something done for our community, but to show not only the to not to show not only the Democratic Party, but anyone who wants our vote that our vote counts. Through Robinson, he made sure the black vote counted. In my opinion, another black athlete who wasn't the most outspoken, but he certainly made his points on and off the field. This athlete was Jim Brown, a black athlete who I am surprised did not walk off his team in Syracuse. Jim Brown was a black football player at Syracuse during the 1950s and had to use segregated areas for everything involving his team. He was mostly the leader and organizer for his black teammates at Syracuse. He made sure everything was business and to not let coaches or other players joke around with the colored players because the coaches and other white staff would only take business and be serious with other white players, but they tended to joke around with black players. Sorry, just page just went up for no reason. Jim Brown made it clear through the media to white people that his character as a man was important than what any white person thought of him. <clears throat> he was also ashamed. He was he also shamed white people for their lack of interest to understand black people better. Brown was not a fan of Martin Luther King Jr. and his nonviolence movement. He made that clear through a phrase, he could not love someone who did not love him back. And I personally see that as a great way to describe relations between black and whites leading up to these periods. I cannot see myself trying to integrate or even participate in sports during this period, even if I had the talent of Robinson and LeBron. In 1966, when Brown retired from the NFL, he announced that in the NIEU project, an organization dedicated to African-Americans for small business loans, offering consultation and helping other black businesses thrive throughout America. Brown made the organization for the sole purpose of getting black people involved in the economy to help them stand on their own and not take handouts. Another outstanding athlete, another outstanding athlete who stood up for civil rights of black people was Muhammad Ali who was born in a segregated town in Kentucky in 1942. Muhammad Ali was not 
at first he he was not liked at first for his fighting style and his views on black political issues and social issues when muhammad ali first started to gain some line boxing he would play the role that white people wanted every black athlete to play he would announce america as the greatest country on earth and diminish the civil rights movement to a few small problems that that can be taken care of quickly during an interview and he all and he all said this during an interview in the 1960 Olympics. Eventually, Clay, later named Muhammad, would go to secret meetings for the Nation of Islam and would meet with civil rights leaders like Malcolm X. After this, Muhammad would go on to be more vocal about his black issues and would even go so far to call out those who wanted to integrate. Muhammad was also Muhammad also had a strong opposition to the NAACP. He believed they were not strong enough to let white people he, were, he believed they were not strong enough and let white people walk all over them. Sorry. Muhammad's stance on black issues mirrored Jim Brown's in the instance of not wanting to be around people who did not want to be around them, referring to white people. Ali would eventually separate himself from Malcolm X after Malcolm was kicked out of the nation of Islam. It was also said that Malcolm, sorry, it was also said that Muhammad Ali was becoming jealous of Malcolm for his increasing popularity. Ali then stayed with the Nation of Islam when Malcolm was kicked out. Ali's future fights would later serve as a model of two different types of black men and what they stood for during the civil rights movement. Ali would be known as the radical Muslim that hated white people and integration, and his opponents would serve as the ones who supported integration and in the media's eyes supported America. Ali was even called out by Martin Luther King Jr. for his inability to integrate and saw him as a hindrance to the black community's advancement in America. As a mu as sorry, uh, I don't know why I wrote it like that. Uh, as a Muslim, Ali was not allowed to fight in the Vietnam War. They were against the war and what it stood for. And because Muhammad, and especially because Muhammad Ali was black, they believed it was not his fight to be in in the first place. After denying his draft to the army, he was then he was denied fights and could not afford to support the nation of Islam at the time. Ali's fights with the U.S. Army Ali's fights with the U.S. Army remind me of Paul Robeson's fights with the United States and his supposed affiliation with the USSR. Paul Robeson spoke out against racism racism against black people in America throughout the 1940s and 50s. He was a great athlete, actor, and civil rights leader. Paul Robeson led had his passport taken away for eight years before he was allowed to travel across the world for his concerts and performances. He was he was considered a threat to American democracy and was persecuted for not playing his role in white America. And that brings me to my conclusion of this podcast. Thank you. Also, thank you for letting me turn this in. Like, I had a great semester. Thank you. Bye.